Yeah. Yeah, I understand that reference. Supernatural. <laughs> oh, that's he, why I don't understand dad. that yeah, reference. He's the dad in Supernatural. Is he really? Yeah. yeah. Huh. That's interesting. He's actually he's going to be Bruce Wayne's dad in Batman v Superman. Apparently, we're going to see him get shot again. <laughs> fucking shit! Are you serious? <laughs> that's yeah. horrible. Yeah. I'm so fucking sick of Bruce par- Bruce Wayne's parents dying. Yeah. Right. And and Jeffrey Dean Morgan dying. I don't really care about he that. He dies a lot. He does die a lot. If there's pearls again, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> There, there has to be pearls. I mean, you, know, you know they're going to throw the, show the pearls. Yeah. Dude, it's so done. Yeah, I know. It's, it's like the same thing with like it could be a credit sequence. Quit showing know. Uncle Ben die and quit showing Bruce, Bruce and Wayne's parents. Yeah, die. I like. I'll wait until the movie to see, you know, <laughs> to see how they do it. But if it's a credit sequence, I'm like, oh yeah, that's fine. It gives me something to look at while the credit. I'd be surprised are. if you didn't wait for the movie to then see it. <laughs> Well, I mean, I mean, for my opinion on seeing it, shut up. I don't say things smart very well sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. But you know who else doesn't say things? Sm- oh, that doesn't even, that's not even, we're, st- here's the show. To the savage land, we are here in the Mat Cave. Uh, you know the, the the great, glorious place that we haven't been for really quite a while. Um, but uh, welcome, welcome back in. We're one panelist down, and we'll we'll discuss that. But let's 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 meet who is here. Oh shit! I mean, I had you muted. I know I'm the worst. I, I see how it is. I know. I'm sorry. That's Rachel. She I'm said. Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> also, yeah, I'm a Matt man in the Matt cave. <laughs> Matt, he's he's the Matt part of the Matt cave. Uh, yeah, I yeah. am. I just got out of the. Uh, yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, we are missing a panelist today. Um, I'm not quite sure what happened to him. Uh, what uh, what exactly happened with Mitch? Well, that's why we're in the Matt cave because there was a bit of a problem in the aviary. Oh, really? Yeah. What happened in the aviary? I was just told to come here. I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know what happened. Oh well, birds. It involved birds. It involved birds. <laughs> do we have, do we have any more details other than that, or are they still? Is it still kind of shaky? We're we still waiting for for details to unfold. I think we just leave the details at birds. At birds. Birds. So very many birds. <laughs> birds against the glass. Well, hopefully. Uh, I mean, I guess. Have we have we heard anything about Mitch or? Was that the last we... They probably pecked his eyes out. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> wow, that's we haven't sure heard. pessimistic, Matt. Wow. We haven't heard from Mitch. Okay. Well, I don't know. Well, there might be some bird flu stuff going on. Hopefully he's okay. A I birdemic. Mean, a birdemic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible. We have a, a podcaster missing, and we're just laughing here about these... Puns. That's right. It's, it's not, the worst. It's not funny, but it is. I think the, I think, I think the, uh, the big bird overlord sent a horde of invisible snuffleupaguses. Snuffleup a guy? Snuffleup a guy? Snuffleup a guy? 
<laughs> that's probably the plurality of that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and that's sure. probably a word too. Um, it is. <laughs> well, because right, he can make as many as he wants, right? So there could there theoretically could be a giant invisible horde of Snuffleupagus. Totally. Yeah. That's yeah. I know. I know. With Snuffleupagus the birds facts, combined, so. it, it was just a big old mess. <laughs> Well, uh, guys, uh, how's how's your last week been? You you've been good, fun, great, everything. What's what what have you been doing? Catch us up, Rachel. Um, I haven't really done much. I haven't read any comics. You haven't read any comics in the None. last week at all. No. What have you been doing? Um, well, finishing up cosplay stuff, and I have been reading an actual book. Really? Yeah. What 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 book have you been reading? It's called Firebug. Okay, what's it about? It's about this girl who can set and control fire with her mind. Decent power. Yeah. Dees. Yeah. Well, and I like this girl. Her name's Lish McBride. I like her writing because she's a very nerdy writer. Okay. And she actually has the girl's role model is Johnny Storm. That's fun. Yeah, so... Oh, I get it, because fire. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Nah, just because yeah. of the hair. No, she, she's, she's very, she's very quick wit, and I liked her other series, which there's two books in it, and the one, the first one's called "Hold Me Closer, Necromancer." <laughs> That's the funniest fucking title I've ever. And heard the in my second life. one is called "Necromancing the Stone," <laughs> and they're just like the funniest books I've ever read, and obviously it's about a necromancer, yeah. but. You know they're great. I highly huh. recommend them. Wow. And all all the chapter titles are still puns and plays on <laughs> song titles, and it's just it's so funny. I That's love it. That's awesome. Yeah, that reminds me. For some reason, that reminds me of um, Robert Kirkman's running gag with Invincible. Every story arc or trade of Invincible is a 1980s sitcom. Nice. Yeah. So it's like there's like Family Matters and. Um, I don't know if he's gotten to Charles in Charge, but he's done, like, uh, different strokes and, like, just, like, random... This, like, for all these story arcs. That's awesome. <laughs> it's pretty great. That's cool, is it? And so is that is that book the only thing you've been uh, really doing yeah, for the most part? Yeah, that's it. It's great nice. so far. Yeah? I'm not finished, but... How far are you into it? Uh, maybe a little over halfway. Okay. My, right. my next goal is to finish Harry Potter. Oh, you still haven't finished, I still haven't finished the last it. one. And then I'm going to start the Dresden Files again. There you go. Okay. 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 Yeah, I made her. I, I, I I, I, he made me promise <laughs> as we were waiting for you. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. I was totally on time today. <laughs> totally. What What about you, Matt? What's uh, What's your week been like? Um, Largely uneventful. I haven't been doing a lot either. But I did read... Uh, Spider-Man Blue, Daredevil Yellow, and Hulk Gray. Just Lobe and Sale. Yeah, because I, I read Spider-Man Blue forever ago, but I hadn't. I never read Daredevil or Hulk. How are those two? Because I haven't read those two either. Uh, Daredevil was really good. Really? Mm-hmm. I really like each one's got very different artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, they definitely tried to... Differentiate them? Differentiate and uh, sort of thematically match the characters with the art. Oh, that's cool. Um... But yeah, those are good. No, I mean, I'm just keeping up with my unlimited stuff. And, uh, you know, watching my nature documentaries. Watching your nature documentaries. I, I actually have been watching something, but I don't know if I want to admit what it was. Oh, come on, admit it. Please, please do it. Please. My Little Pony. 
Oh, you're fired. God damn it. Because <laughs> it's so funny. It's not funny. No, I laughed so hard. Uh-huh. I, I really did. And I'm so ashamed. <laughs> How much have you watched? I think I watched like 13 episodes. Holy shit. <laughs> I was cleaning and it was my background. Rachel. <laughs> I know. I'm disappointed in myself. This is what happens if I don't read comic books. Holy fuck. Yeah. That's, that's, that's you know, five or six hours worth of Harry Dresden novels that you could but audio I, I was cleaning while it was on. Put it on your headphones. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's so funny. Or, I mean, you know, that's like five episodes of uh, David Attenborough like heartwarmingly narrating <laughs> nature documentaries. You can just watch polar bears I, cuddle for. You can watch polar bears cuddle <laughs> for five hours. If all they did was cuddle, you can watch. I don't want to see. I don't want to see anything die. You can watch penguins. Ooh, penguins are fun to watch. Trip actually. over stuff because that's adorable. <laughs> no, penguins and pandas are my two favorite animals to observe. But if any of them died, I'm, I'm not into that. But no, it was my background while I was cleaning. Mm-hmm. And I feel ashamed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is the hard part about watching the penguins is when they, like, when one of them like leaves the egg out too long because it's so cold in Antarctica that the egg freezes. See, I don't want to watch depressing it's animal super, stuff. It's super brutal. I don't know why I'm laughing. I don't either. <laughs> I don't want to watch the animals get hurt. I, I seriously like. So I, I can kind of start to understand your nature documentary obsession, Matt, because. I do spend a good amount of time on YouTube just watching penguins and pandas and just cuteness ensue. Like, I love watching penguins slide on their tummies. I watched a owl just get, like, rubbed and scratched <laughs> for, like, two minutes. And it was yeah, the I cutest watched Watchmen thing too. ever. <laughs> uh, uh, that was horrible. That was a dumb sex joke. No, I like watching him for the... For the the raw brutality of nature, yeah, WWE. Not in like a hyper masculine way, but just in like a yeah, it's fucking nature. It is pretty cool. I don't watch tons of violence. Usually, when I'm watching animals, it's because they're doing something cute and adorable. And it's not always violent. Sometimes it's just I don't know, (laughs) getting chased and torn to pieces. Sometimes it's nice to just like watch elephants walk across the desert with like a really nice See, that stuff is cool. Yeah. I just don't want to watch any of them die. That makes sense. I mean, typically watching things die is something that most people don't want in their day. Yeah. Unless you're like Frank Underwood from House of Cards. A reference that you guys aren't going to get at all. Yeah. I just figured like, I, I felt like bringing the mood down just Making a reference that nobody could get. I, I think we brought it down. With oh, totally. Animal death and references we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. Uh, my week was very Watchmen centric. Um, largely so. In fact, I will probably not pick up Watchmen for like another year at least. Um, but yeah, I, I watched the ultimate cut. I watched the theatrical cut. I watched the motion comic. I read the graphic novel. It was a lot. It was a lot of... I watched the, all the special features stuff, interviews with Dave Jesus Gibbons Christ. and Zack Snyder, and yeah. it, was, it was really interesting, because like, hearing Dave Gibbons talk about the, crea- like, the creative process of Watchmen and stuff, but anyway, we'll, we'll kind of get into that when we're talking about Watchmen. Um, you know what I watched? I watched Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah? 
Which one? The new one. The brand new one? Yeah. What'd you think of it? I think it was awesome. Right? <laughs> I loved it. It was yeah. so fun. It was totally fun. <laughs> I mean, it was uh, it was a bad movie, but it oh, was yeah. Oh, yeah. super fun. Definitely was, a bad movie. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Totally. I like... I laugh every time I see the elevator scene. Yeah. Oh, I love the elevator. <laughs> yeah. Like it's so good. And they're all they're all just so cartoony and and weird and giant as well. You know what else I watched? I watched UHF. I love UHF. That's the fucking best movie ever. What is that? Explain it to me. Like not the entire movie. I just mean explain what the movie is. It's a Weird Al's movie from like 1990. <laughs> no wonder I don't know it. So let me tell you about my old roommate George. Okay. Please do. We will have entire conversations of just quotes from UHF. So (laughs) one of our friends for Christmas gave him a spatula from Spatula City. Oh, Spatula City. Yeah, totally. (laughs) But I come home one day. There's this big, long box at my door. I'm like, I didn't order anything. So I get inside, I open it up, and it's a mop. And only UHF people are gonna get that. Yeah, but a, I'm way just over my like, head. <laughs> now I just have this mop because he did it as a joke. That sounds funny. It's a pretty funny movie. Yeah. Really? Yeah. What's, there's even animal facts in the movie. There is. <laughs> Matt loves his animal facts. Like poodles. <laughs> that you know can or cannot fly. You'd have to watch the movie to find out what. Like, What's the yeah. premise of the movie? It's like Weird Al. It's just some like burger flipping guy, and he inherits a local public access television station. <laughs> so there's just a lot of like and so TV lo- shows. Yeah, so a lot of the show is just like stuff happening on the public access station, and it's just spoofs oh. and skits and things, and it's pretty funny. That yeah. sounds awesome, actually. That it, sounds right great. down my alley. Yeah, it's or up super my alley. Funny. Both ways down my alley. Down and up. Badgers. <laughs> we don't need no stinking badgers. Oh jeez, I get it. I, I get it. I under I understand the reference. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> understand it. Um, so I guess really, you know, we've we should probably address the elephant in the room. What kind of elephant is it? Is it um, a big elephant? It's a. Is it an Indian or an African elephant? It's an adaptation of a critically acclaimed elephant. Oh. Uh, so mammoth or mastodon? Um, yes, the one that makes most sense for the metaphor. Just trying to spit out some animal facts here, Jason. I'm not the I'm not the animal <laughs> facts guy, Matt. I don't know. I don't know the animal facts or which road you're leading me down. I was just trying to get you to set me up, but you failed. Well, I don't I don't know. You gotta. <laughs> <laughs> A surefire way to throw Jason off, confuse uh, him. Yeah, I especially with animals. I'm just I'm not good at knowing animal stuff. Um, but no, what's I'm. The, uh, what's the closest living relative to an elephant? A mammoth, probably. Living relative. Mammoths aren't. Alive oh, a living. Anymore, Jason. Hippo. No. Hmm. Bear. I have no idea. Tune in next week to find out. <laughs> wow, you're a dick. <laughs> I hate you, Matt. That means I have to tune in next week to find out, too. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> to do stuff. I know, seriously. And I have to wait. We'll get, we'll um, get, we'll, we'll, we'll give some, uh, some lucky listener, if they comment on one of our things, we'll give them some sort of... Give a, them some, some kind of reward or a prize. banana sticker. Or so, so I'm going to be editing this episode, and like I'm going to be hearing that every time 
I go back over it to make sure everything sounds good, and it's going to bug me even more every single time I hear it. Good. That makes me happy. That makes me pissed. <laughs> God damn it. Um, and you can't look it up. <laughs> oh, fuck. Why didn't I think of that, though? Like, why did that not occur to me that I could just fucking Google that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's the dumbest shit but I've ever done. now you can't. Yeah, because you're not allowed to, so that's why you didn't think well, of Well, fuck you, people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're the worst. <laughs> fucking hate the Matt Cave. Um, Matt Cave is cold. It is kind of cold. Matt Cave is kind of cold right now, yeah. I have to put on a jacket. Just think about insulating the uh, the rock walls in, in the sides of your cave. Um, up or down? Up. Rachel is sitting right next to the thermostat in the Matt Cave <laughs> and cannot figure out buttons. It's not doing anything. <laughs> you almost got it, sort of, it's sure. not doing Did anything. You get it? No. Nothing no, changed? Sorry. It's just no. going to be cold. It's an analogy for life. Nothing changes and it just no. stays cruel and cold-hearted. I keep pushing and... up and nothing changes. <laughs> yeah. But we watched the Zack Snyder adaptation of Alan Moore's graphic novel, Watchmen. Oh, is that what I just spent the past 17 hours of my life doing? Oh, that is definitely what sure you felt like that. Oh, my God. <laughs> go, ahead and, uh. go ahead and give me both of your initial thoughts. <laughs> what did you guys think of it? Feel free to just dish out whatever. It sounds like both of you have very strong opinions. Yeah, go ahead, Rachel. <laughs> um, it's a beautiful movie. Okay. <laughs> I, I really like the look of it. It's just the longest thing in the world. <laughs> I I was about to make a joke, but anyway. Yeah, you don't people make, people can don't imagine. make that joke with me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it. I have a hard time with long movies. It's just I want to get up and do stuff. Yeah, because it gets super boring. It was just way too long for me. Wait, so what is the running time on the director's cut? Um, so the director's cut, I think, sits right about three hours. I know the okay, ultimate yeah, cut is about three hours and 15 minutes. I started it right after like 8.30-ish, and I didn't get done with it till 12.30, and I had to pause it to go make breakfast. <laughs> so it, it was my entire morning. Wow. So that's... Why I sent you a bunch of animated gifs? <laughs> me rolling my About eyes. Your frustration. Uh. It's let's see the the theatrical running time was one six one hundred and sixty two minutes. The running time for the director's cut was one hundred and eighty six minutes, and the running time for the ultimate cut was two hundred and fifteen minutes. Fuck. Oh yeah. Okay. That's a lot of that's a lot of time. Even even the theatrical cut was pretty long. I watched the director's cut. That's it's, what I watched too. Yeah, the theatrical is already two and a half hours. I mean, I like the amount of story in it, Mm -hmm. but it also jumps around a whole lot. Yeah, which distracts me. And that that does bring me up to a point that I want to that I want to talk about um, later. But Matt, what what about your your overall overall thoughts of the movie? Oh, uh, it shouldn't have been a movie kind of what i was that's that's totally what i was gonna talk about let's go ahead and talk so obviously it's a it's a limited run comic series with 12 issues in it and the movie was going from the entire you know the entire 12 issue story arc trying to condense that into three hours or two well, and a half hours for the theatrical but the, that's not the problem i have that they're trying to condense 12 12 12 a uh, whole you know graphic mm-hmm. novel into one film i don't have an issue with that okay. i have an issue with the fact that it didn't need to be a film. 
It stands alone. Oh, it so stands alone as a graphic. It, it, okay. It's it's got everything. I mean, obviously, it's the graphic novel. Yeah, it's everything's in it. There's no need to like put it into film form. Yeah, if you want that experience, read the graphic novel. It's already it's got it all there, and I think you lose something from turning into a film. And I think you lose sort of a lot of the intention Alan Moore had when writing it when you put it into a film. Definitely. And I mean, Alan Moore made that very clear. He So he refused to actually have his name credited no, or I know. receive a the check for this movie. The credits say co-created by Dave Gibbons. Yeah. Yeah. Because Alan wow. Moore... And Alan Moore does yeah. that with everything, though. He did that with V for Vendetta. He did, Like, everything yeah. that he's made that's been adapted, he's just like, no, don't give me credit for it. I won't take any checks, and you can all fuck off with your movies, and whatever super, else he says when he comes out of his hobbit accent. hole. Isn't he just like a mountain man now? <laughs> yeah, he literally is just like lives off in isolation in Glasgow somewhere and just comes out every once in a while to bitch about how people don't understand his messages. <laughs> but fair enough. But I mean that so that I mean that sits in the same world as like Calvin and Hobbes for me. It's like you've got something that's very special and very mm. creative and has a, a, a large deep message and you 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 cheapen it by turning it into something like like a comic like a a film or something you know yeah i so i i understand what you're saying and i like i i totally get that and and in a way do have a lot of like similar thoughts that way on it i think the one thing for me that kind of like i don't want to say justifies it but the thing the thing that i think the movie did was bring a lot of people to, over to to actually read the graphic novel um, because they in their marketing for the movie and in a lot of their materials for the movie they were guiding people to to buy the graphic novel or they were selling bundles of the movie with the graphic novel and things like that and so I think kind of like brought sort of like kind of brought a new life into Watchmen and brought it to I guess maybe the younger generation the the whoever's after the the millennials I guess is really the i don't know like for me it kind of it kind of did that because it's like yeah the movie itself kind of has a a dumbed down version of the message but at the same time it did give a lot of people sort of interest in these characters that hadn't heard of them before and then when they see the graphic novel and they hear about it they decide to go and, and read it and check it out and then get their mind blown and learn new things about life and and storytelling and hero versus villain and all that but I don't know. That's that's my thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I can I can appreciate that to a degree, but for me, I mean, I, it was it was on Times Hundred Greatest Novels of the Century. Yeah, and it's pretty high up there too. It's like in the top twenty. Yeah, as and it's the only graphic novel that's in that list. Yep. And something that power. I don't know, man. And you know, and I guess there's probably a lot of other books on that list that are films too. But yeah, no, it's. And I think that's the thing is like especially especially in America, I think a lot of people feel that something isn't legitimized until it's made into a movie. And I think that's a problem that we have in America is like we That's like, a good point. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like people, you know, when when they hear about a book, they're like, Oh, is there a movie? type thing, or like they won't read a book like um Oh, what the hell was that movie that came like like The Martian even that's gonna yeah. come out, you know, like a lot of people read it, but like more people are reading it now that they see Matt Damon's face on the cover of the book, you know, like it's kind of that weird thing that we have and same with all sorts of different, you know, I mean, every David Fincher movie ever. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like it's just, it, that's true. I, I think we have too many books and movies of the same thing. 
Exactly. It's pretty boring. A lot of adaptations and, and yeah, and things like that. And it's kind of, it's, it's weird in that way. Um, but I think that's one thing it did is like people, you know, people are a lot of times only reading the comic books of the things that they've seen in a movie or only reading the books of the things that they've seen in movies. And, and so making Watchmen into a movie, I think brought that sort of attention into it. Um, because I mean, you know, there's a reason that we have like five different series involving Batman going on and one animal man series, you know, like it's not because animal man's a less interesting character. It's because the movies bring in a mass appeal and bring in this sort of perception of legitimacy for some reason that, that makes people go, Oh, it was made into a movie. So it has to be good type thing. You know, nah, it's I, I, I you know, like I don't yeah. I don't like that I don't yeah. like that at all I don't like I, I that we're a society that does and, that and I agree what you're saying but but I so the one thing is and that's my biggest problem I think with this movie is how long it is because it's fucking long like the theatrical so cut long and especially the ultimate cut like that was my day like that three and a half hours just watching Watchmen. Yeah, at the end, I the exclaimed, thank Christ. <laughs> oh, my God. I can get up and leave. I think, like, I think if they were, if they're, like, they they should have done, like, an HBO season adaptation of it. I think that would have been really cool if they just done an issue at a time in some form of, like. I just think it's too much to condense, even in the bazillion hour long <laughs> movies that we watch. Oh, I totally. think it's, it's way too much. Because there's a lot they skip. Um but I mean, let's, so let's, you know, I think obviously Rachel, you haven't, um, you haven't read the graphic novel. No, I but, feel so horrible. <laughs> no, it's just totally cool. I didn't have time. You're good. You're good. Um, but so there, there's a lot of things that, that I kind of want to talk about with it, but first I kind of want to see, you know, with Matt, what, since you, since you have read the graphic novel uh, quite a few times, mm-hmm. um, what were some of the, the, the things that you know, as far as like the adaptation part of it, you know, the, the things, whether they changed or left things out or whatever, what were kind of the things that stood out to you and the things that either bothered you or that you liked as far as changes or, or adaptation? Um, I thought the casting was pretty good. Uh, the, what's his name? Ozzy Mendias's accent bothers the hell out of me. Really? It kind of bothers me too because it's never like you never you can it's never not, pin it. It's no, it's, and it's not consistent. It's, yeah, uh, I don't know what he's trying to do there. There are certain scenes where he sounds totally American, and then others where you're like, "Are you like Which Italian or something?" Ozzy Mandias was the Adrian. 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 Oh, Byte. okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah he. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he was hot. But no, I what I like <laughs> I like him a lot. What I did like was attention to set pieces. Um, Definitely, sort of the world building. I thought looked. Looked as it should. Yeah, that uh, was that was one thing that Zack Snyder I think did really well. Just yeah, I mean, he, obviously the guy cared and wanted to make a film that was look good and definitely. And, you know, I, I, I can appreciate that. Yeah. Well, and in the behind the scenes shots, you can see like every room is just filled with like fake newspaper headlines and like pictures oh, yeah. and stuff. And like Dave Gibbons was sort of walking through on one of the behind the scenes things, and he's like looking at this, he's like this is blowing my fucking mind. Like I like there's things that Dave Gibbons didn't even remember that he ever like even created or like put snippets in, you know, cause like in the graphic novel, they have like the, after the issue, there's always like the yeah. under the hood stuff or the yeah. newspaper headlines. And like they recreated a lot of those and then made some new ones and like crazy stuff. Yeah, that's cool. But yeah. So I mean, I, I like that again. That's just the attention to detail was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I guess that's more or less what where my thought process goes. So, 
there, there's one thing obviously that stands out with the adaptation and, and one change that they made. Before we talk about that specifically, I want to see Rachel, since you haven't read the graphic novel, what did you think of the actual and all right, spoiler warning, the rest of the show we're just gonna be spoiling the shit out of Watchmen. <laughs> um <laughs> But for for the ending itself, you know, the the deception, the you know, making it look like Dr. Manhattan blew it up and, and all that, like the the culmination of the story, what did you think of that? I actually liked it. Yeah. I think it's a nice twist that you really haven't seen in anything since. Totally. And and I like that he was like, Yeah, I see what you're going for yeah. here and he's like, oh, I'll, fuck. I'll I'll take the blame. Yeah. And I liked it. I like that. It's very different. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it for me so for me the spirit of it stayed the same as what the ending was. Like the the result and the the sort of culmination of it stayed largely the same as what it was in the graphic novel. Well, the villain part of it you never see like villains in any story really have, you know, motivation. Yeah. And his He's motivation very strongly motivated. is amazing. Yeah. And you never see that with villains. Well, and, and that's what I love about the story so much is like, and, and Alan Moore, like his intention with it was like, this is the last superhero story and it makes everything seem so dumb, whatever, you know, like, <laughs> cause it's, cause he's basically saying like, you know, superheroes accomplish nothing because all they're doing is punching and you can't punch the world's problems away. Um, you know, and that the villains oftentimes have the more ambitious goals that actually solve things. And a villain isn't really a villain often and all, all that crap. Um, but I, I really like that, you know, and, and his intention with that was basically to like make people stop taking superheroes seriously. Yeah. But for me, it was like that just makes superheroes like that. That makes a lot more interesting stories to tell. And I loved, I loved that Adrian was so sympathetic and had such a reason. And you see, and it addresses it more in the graphic novel, but even in the movie, he talks about, you know, like I, I felt every, you know, like I, I what did he say? I, I stayed awake at night or whatever, like looking at faces or whatever, like names, yeah. you know, and I felt every death. Um, I, I just like that you can actually get on board with the villain. Definitely. And his cause. Yeah. It's very clear and you're like, okay, that sucks, but I totally get what you're going for and so did Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. You're you're right on the money. And that's and that's what I did love is Dr. Manhattan's like shit, like I can't you know, like Yeah. I can't fault oh, he's you. Right. And yeah, and it's like and like if I do something like we're fucked. Like yeah. I'm basically dooming the world by actually bringing him exactly. out. Exactly, and I loved that. Yeah, it was really cool, Matt. For you, so so what did I know? You've talked before a lot about you know wanting the giant space squid and and stuff like that. What was your overall thought of of how they changed the ending? Uh, I mean, I think what they did was probably they like tie it up a little neater by doing the whole Doctor Manhattan side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, it also sort of like eliminates the character of Doctor Manhattan in a sense, as far as like taking him out and explaining why he's gone or whatever. Right? Or what okay. Um, but I don't know. I mean, part of what I like so much about it is that yeah, they jump a giant genetically engineered creature to look like a space alien that causes people to do it so it doesn't put it on dr manhattan like i don't know yeah i don't know i mean 
I see why they did it, and it makes sense. And it wasn't a, it wasn't like it was a horrible decision for them to make. Yeah, I for me, I liked it a lot because um, you end up with essentially the same result of sort of this ultimatum where if the you know the quote unquote heroes if they want to accomplish their mission they have to doom the world to do it. Um, but I I did the so the reason that I liked it as as an ending in film better. Than what you know, than what they could have done if they'd done a true adaptation is first and foremost, if they had done the original ending, that means they would have had to add another subplot to an already dense movie. Yeah, that's true. Um, which I mean, it was a cool one. You know, you have the author of the Black Freighter and 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 you know the artist and drawing it and stuff like that. But then it's just like it, it adds so much more explanation of oh yeah, and like the film crew was super secretive and nobody knew that this was being filmed and yada whatever. Yeah. Um, and so then it would made it even more dense, but then the fact that you're sort of adding another through line that's connecting, you know, that's, that's putting one of the heroes or one of the characters, Dr. Manhattan in this situation where he basically, you know, like it's, it's more dimensions to the situations that happen to these characters because the heroes are, are almost a little more involved in the actual tragedy because it kind of shifts blame to the heroes again. Um, where they're looking at Dr. Manhattan and they kind of, you know, are sort of condemning supers in the same, you know, in the same sense because by association with Dr. Manhattan type thing, you know, like it, it again, bring, I, I think it just brings it full circle a little more back to the actual main characters. Um, and I think for a film that's, it's always nice having sort of that, that synchronicity between the, the characters and having the end be the result of, of the characters themselves and their involvement and, if Dr. Manhattan hadn't been involved in with Adrian, then Adrian never would have had the ability to research his powers and recreate something like him, you know? Yeah. So I did like that element of it. No, I, I mean, I, I get it. And I, and I, yeah, that's not a, that's not the huge yeah. problem I have with the film. Yeah, totally. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know. I like, I like, I like the idea of, uh, giant space aliens kind of just because I like think that's kind of cool totally I agree with that uh, the, the one of the issues I have and it sort of stems from from both more from the Dr. Manhattan side is the Dr. Manhattan side seems a little short-sighted whereas so you have a giant alien show up in Times Square mm-hmm. or wherever it's Times Square right I think so somewhere in New York yeah and uh, it causes you know global peace to unify against this potential alien threat mm-hmm. yeah because it shows up and then just like blows up and right yeah. so but then in the, in the movie it's doctor if it's dr manhattan and then dr manhattan disappears from the earth that threat is forever gone well so but the public doesn't know that dr manhattan's disappeared from the earth yeah but the government dudes the government earlier in the film says they can like sense his tachyon readings and they can find they found him on mars Mm -hmm. from that so in the comic this alien threat even the government's convinced that it's real Mm -hmm. so every single individual except for the handful of watchmen Mm -hmm. think it's real yeah but in this since it's dr manhattan the entire government would be able to figure out and probably other, any science people on the planet who were able to figure out how to read his tachyon signature would be able mm-hmm. to figure out he's no longer on the earth. Yeah. Well, and, and I don't, so, cause but, I think that that still, I mean, he still could be a threat even if he's not on earth. Cause I mean, he was previously on Mars. In right, the movie. But, but the alien is a permanent threat. 
in people's psyche versus this Dr. Manhattan thing that I think they're just maybe as it is, present. Maybe it isn't. Because the aliens, they can't see the aliens either. They don't know where the aliens are. They just know that one of them came down and then blew up. Right. And so, I don't know. For like for me, it, it makes about as much sense. But I, I can definitely see. Yeah, I just think I just think that. Wow. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Scratching at straws here, but <laughs> no, I, I totally get you. Um, so what? What? Uh, you seem to have a lot of thoughts on the music. Tell me a bit about that. Oh, I do have a lot of thoughts on music because music. So music's music in any sort of film is something that can make or break it. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, the vibe I got was Zack Snyder wanted to take quintessential American songs mm-hmm. and use those sort of like as this like what 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 one one could ascribe to be timeless sections of our history yeah so all the music was apparently i mean obviously specifically chosen to sort of to to sort of act as sort of a cue yeah for the for plot or changes or time no for uh, what's the right word i'm looking for for um solidity okay like or something to give it something to give the film Credibility is the right. Oh, okay. Word. So something to give the film credibility with this, like, by by sort of toying with your emotions with these songs that are so quintessential of of of, of, of our history. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Iconic. 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 Thank you. There we go. Rooted. And uh, the choices he made, I felt, were heavy-handed and really detracted for me from the film itself. There's a handful of songs that I thought worked really well. Like, Times They Are Changing in the opening credit sequence was great. Yeah, that's honestly, that's my favorite credit sequence of any movie. My ever. favorite credit sequence ever is Zombieland. That's a good credit. Okay, that's yeah. a good credit sequence. I, I agree with that. <laughs> that's one of my all. That's such I still like this one a little better, but like, I love that credit I, sequence. I did too. love the opening credit scene. So, no, good choice of music. Uh, when. Uh, when Dan and Lori are in the shuttle and they're playing uh, Hallelujah. Yeah. I did not like that. I hated that they used that song. It, really? It, yeah, I didn't like that. That song has so much other meaning to it. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be used in a sex scene. Like, I thought that, I thought that sort of cheapened the song. I, mean, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, that, that song, that's like a, a, that is a powerful song. Yeah. And to be using that for that scene, it was just like, no, bad choice. To use Sound of Silence was ridiculous to me. <laughs> uh, Why is that? Well, because that song is overused, and it's got way too much attachment to so many other things now. That And, 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 and for me, and I think that that song has lost its power. Because every time I hear that song, I just think of Will Ferrell... <laughs> In old school, like <laughs> after he got shot with Hortz tranquilizer, like and he falls into the pool. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, and that's the—I mean, that's just where my mind goes. Like, it's a joke now. Yeah. That song's used as a joke now. Yeah, so, oh, no, that song makes me laugh every yeah, time. Yeah, no, it. I laugh. And I think that you know that he should probably knew that or could have figured that out. Oh, definitely. Uh, so, uh, and you know, off the top of my head, I can't think of any other 
specific songs. There was like uh, 99 Red Balloons was one of them. Oh, yeah, that was dumb. I, I didn't like that. The I like the song, but the placement was... Yeah, you know, I, don't I, don't like, like I didn't like that he... And so pop songs in a film, mm-hmm. I think like I think a film score works well in a film because it's usually in the background. Yeah, yeah. He was definitely trying to present American pop songs as a as a almost as a character in the film, like what James Gunn did in Guardians. Yeah, yeah, but that somehow worked better. Yeah, I don't that, know. Like, there's like a, at least it had a thematic. Like, he's got the mixtape, and like that's mm-hmm. what's playing on the ship, and they just decided to play that at full volume for the film. But this is like yeah. you're watching a scene, and then like right, and then suddenly it's 99 red balloons. I think he was trying to remind you that this is in the 80s. Yeah. I, I guess, way. but it was like, I don't know. It's just that, yeah. No, I did not like the, how he did it. I still the, didn't like it. No, I didn't like how he yeah. did the music for this film. And for me, for me, I found humor in it. And I don't know if that was the intent, but it made me, like, for some reason, enjoy the scenes off of sort of, in most cases, the Hallelujah one was kind of, eh. But um, in most cases, like, using using the songs kind of, like, for whatever reason, added kind of a, a bit of humor. Like, when the fight scenes would play, especially at the beginning when they have the unforgettable song playing while Jeffrey Dean Morgan's getting the crap kicked out of him. Yeah. I loved that. I liked that. Yeah, no, that was, I liked that too. Like yeah. there, there's here and there, there's good choices and here and there, there's really bad choices. I guess so. And I think timing was an issue for me too, because you'd be watching a scene and there's like suddenly full volume. Yeah. Some song yeah. and it's like out of left field and it doesn't quite. Flow. He was, I think like the, the style of this movie was very, um, extremist and heavy-handed in in most areas you know the the fight sequences the like i think he was trying to be very extreme or or surreal in a way like in how he presented the movie and i don't know if that was the right choice or not but i think that was what he was doing well or like ride of the valkyries Mm -hmm. yeah why did he play that song (laughs) yeah that is very out of place yeah no i mean it's totally unnecessary yeah it's like remember that that happened in apocalypse now and it's like (laughs) Okay, yeah, I, I remember that. All along the Watchtower, I love that song, but it's no, always didn't. used in a war. I know exactly. Setting I, I, and that, it's... I felt so, and I guess that's part of why to tie it back into why this fil- this this graphic novel did not need to be a film is because like that's sort of the stuff he talks about in the graphic novel is like people cheapening shit like this, and that's exactly what he did. <laughs> He did <laughs> when he adapted it into a film, and I don't. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, no, I get you. So let's uh, first, really quick, I guess, because we we kind of talked about this a little before the show. But which cut did we all watch? So you watched the director's cut. The director's cut. Yeah, so did I. I watched the ultimate cut. Okay, so both of you watched the director's cut. Um, I'm assuming Rachel, you haven't seen Tales of the Black Freighter. No. Okay, and you, Matt, have? Yes. Did you say? Yeah, okay, cool. Did you? You haven't seen them interwoven, though, have you? No, I, no. I, I can figure it out. Yeah, I not figure. Of course, so many times. I was just curious. Um, what? So, as far as like for me, there's there's a lot of changes in the film that are weird, and some of them are really good. The one thing that I thought was like interesting, and I'm not sure if it was just a fact of like just being heavy-handed or something, but the characters in the graphic novel are largely powerless. Um, Thank you for bringing that up because I was that I was like I, I had the other stuff in my mind. I was like, I got There's other things I know that were bugging yeah. me, and it was the fact that they were obviously powered. Yeah, like Night Owl, and especially Night Owl and Silk Spectre. That that 
fight scene that they have in um, in, in the, the alleyway. alleyway. Yeah, when like just brutal yeah. like, and I I don't know what changes were. Oh, well, I think in the director's cut, all of those scenes are the same as the ultimate cut. Um, because they I guess the the litmus test for that when. Vite gets shot when he like the assassination or whatever. Does the in the director's cut the secretary still gets her hand like blown off, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. So it's all the same shots then. Um, but uh, yeah, like that scene, like the broken arm thing ripping through. Yeah. Like, like they clearly have some superhuman yeah. power. And that was like the part that I was kind of like, or when the comedian jumps off the owl ship, like which kind of confused down. me as someone that hasn't read the graphic novel because mm-hmm. it seemed like they were portraying them as just normal human beings, but, but then they, they had, had this, yeah. and it was a little confusing. The, the whole to point me. is that Doctor Manhattan is the only person on exactly. the planet who has superpowers. Yeah, well, and they they kind of oh, made okay. in the comics they made Vite a little like ambiguous on that. Because they, they still they, they cover they like they define him as like the world's best gymnast or like an Olympic yeah. level athlete. Well, because they're I mean at the beginning when the cops are investigating the murder scene that you know that dialogue where they're like you know it, it would take a um, you'd have to step on the gas just to make a crack in the glass or whatever. They that, that was the same exact scene from the comics where they're kind of talking about like it takes a lot to actually throw you know get something through this glass. Um, and like but anyway the the violence like having that insane amount of violence i wonder if it was just him like trying to be heavy-handed with alan moore's message of like superheroes just punch stuff and don't solve anything and just trying to take it like a little more to the extreme but i don't know like what what did you guys think of the violence in the film and and the way that they were portrayed like the superpowers and yeah and all that. that i mean that all, that all wraps up together with the same thing in my head with the whole like them being having superpowers is and it's totally. I mean, I and I and I I have to blame it on Zack Snyder because that's his whole jam of like action-packed, really like elaborate fight scenes. Yeah, and, and I think that the film, the the story does not require action-packed, like very obviously staged. They do that whole slow-mo matrix. Yeah, thing the, the and, fast to slow type. Like I don't action scenes where aren't integral to the story at all and no. for him to highlight it to the degree that he did with the yeah. level of hyper violence that he did i think yeah i think that you're right in the action scenes aren't integral to it but at the same time the fact that these are violent characters doing violent things is integral to the plot of the graphic novel well sure well to a degree i mean because you, know. you you've still got the scenes like where where night owl starts just beating the shiz out of the guy in the bar because he he looks like the dudes that killed uh um, Hollis Mason. Right, and so those are the powerful scenes. Yeah. Those are the ones, or when when the comedian shoots the his uh, the the pregnant woman. Yeah, yeah. In Vietnam, like those, are, those are the things to highlight because that defines the characters, not Definitely. just like alley fight. Yeah, let's make that alley fight like way more than it needs to be. That one, or, or like, or like, you know, Rorschach when he's in the prison. Yeah, uh, like that's a that's a powerful scene when yeah. when the guy when they're like sawing scene. the dude's arms off to but get. But even him when he goes in the bathroom and you see the I love that. Yeah. See that that right. was amazing. I loved that. Right. So I, and so right. So that the dichotomy between like actually powerful hyper violent scenes yeah. which are appropriate versus like making everything hyper violent. Yeah, I think the if the if they had made the alley scene like it was in the comic where it was sort of this casual like first of all they didn't kill him in the comics or at least it didn't explicitly show them killing them in the comics. Um, 
where it was sort of just like just a fight scene that happened and it wasn't something that they were welcoming necessarily but like it was something that they were right ready for in in the movie they kind of were just like oh yeah totally we're gonna like get in a fight and fuck some people up type thing yeah. you know because they're like he, oh like, yeah takes off his glasses and is like all right exactly yeah i mean to me that just seemed like zack snyder was like here's a good opportunity for me to like do one of my you know, one of my Zack Snyder things. Zack Snyder <laughs> action scenes. And then this guy's arm is going to rip through his skin. And Which is super gross. Yeah. yeah, I just don't... I mean, I don't think that level of... That level of just sort of gore for gore's sake is... Yeah. Those those were the ones that took me out of it. Because I, I like the way that he shoots his action scenes, for the most part, as far as sure. like the fast and, and sort of the way that he makes them impactful. Well, that's the thing, is it worked really well in Man of Steel. Because yeah. they're super-powered individuals. Yep. And this one, when like... Night Owl, who's supposed to be just like a dumpy, an overweight, dumpy, 40, 50 year old guy, mm-hmm. is throwing dudes through a brick wall. It's yeah. like, come on. Yeah. That, that was the part. And like, and same with Silk Spectre. Like, they were both just so crazy powered that I was like, okay, take it easy here. Silk Spectre. <laughs> the other thing that really bothered me about Silk Spectre is she had like six inch stilettos on. Yeah. And like, Come on, dude. I, can, I, I know you made Sucker Punch, so you're, you're, you have no credibility in the, like, <laughs> let's, let's have, you know, strong, strong female characters. But you don't need, I, I mean, nobody's going to fight in Six Inch Stilettos. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I, I agree. I think some of it came from, like, the character of Silk Spectre was based a bit on Black Canary. Um, there, it was Black Canary and then a, a character that they got from Charlton Comics. And... Those characters do wear huge stilettos in their books, and it's always been a ridiculous thing for me, no matter what. Um, I'm not sure if Silk Spectre ever did in the comic, but I think that might have been where he was drawing inspiration from. Matt's going to look through it right now and see. But yeah, the stilettos, in any case, when somebody's fighting in stilettos, that bothers the fuck out of me. Yeah, like, you're not going to do shit. Yeah, exactly. Unless you take them off and stab somebody with them. Yeah, which, I mean, that could come in handy. Which I've seen happen. Wasn't there... (laughs) Wow. That sounds like a story. Sorry yeah, for another day. <laughs> um, oh yeah, she's got like heels. Oh, she yeah. does have but, heels. They're not like crazy. Yeah, they're not stilettos. giant stilettos. No, but they are heels. Um, but yeah, like it's 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 weird in that sense. I the one the one thing I did like, which I think they still could have done it better, was changing Silk Spectre's outfit in the way that they did from because like what she wears in the comic is like this. She's got like this blue crap underneath and then like this sheer yellow thing over it it just kind of looked dumb like it didn't look like a superhero outfit but at the same time like her being the only one in spandex in the movie was a little weird yeah and it was like her vagina was very prominent really (laughs) i didn't notice that i noticed yeah it was it was i didn't notice yeah it was like right there (laughs) (laughs) she had a very prominent vagina yeah (laughs) I don't think it was the, the best sentence anyone can ever hear. It's definitely not a great choice of costume. No. Um, which is surprising because most of the other costume choices were way good. I think it would have looked great if, yeah, the vagina wasn't, like, right there. <laughs> if it had been done differently. Because I like the top, but yeah. the bottom was just vagina. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny, like, just the way it's like, the vagina was very prominent. It was. 
Sounds like a like a police description of something, or like somebody like an on court like talking about something. Like, yes, her vagina was very prominent. That's <laughs> not how I meant it. But this is funny. Yeah, no, it was there. That's good. That's good. Uh, um, yeah, no, I, I uh, the so I think one thing that that bothered me. So I love Patrick Wilson as uh, as Night Owl. I think he was a great casting choice. In the comic, he's kind of like he struggles with which direction he's going to go. Like he's he's very aimless in the comic, and he just kind of like sort of shifting around a lot. Um, he is obviously impotent, but then it's like it's more like his impotence in the comic is is more of an indication of the rest of his life like how the rest of his life is where it's just sort of like aimless and and he's he's kind of like without purpose and and without fulfillment and then in this like it i don't know it's like i didn't i don't think they quite nailed night owl in this as as well as they could have or at least the second night owl dan driver um but the one night owl related or there's two night owl related changes that i actually really enjoyed First of all, was when Hollis Mason dies. When those guys come and you know, like when they break into his house because they hear Night Owl busted Rorschach or whatever. In the comic, Hollis Mason just gets his ass kicked. Doesn't like even. I don't think he even lands a punch. Um, and he gets his ass kicked while it's showing flashbacks of him. Like it's sort of this dichotomy between him getting the crap kicked out of him and then showing him back in the day dressed up as Night Owl beating other people up. I like in the movies that he went out fighting. Like in in this movie, they they made him heroic and they made you show like he is you know he's still he's still a hero he's still a fighter like he's gonna go out swinging and 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 he you know went out like a hero, um, and then like that was the one scene that stood out to me in the comic and I, every time I've read it it's just like this, yeah, like it's always bothered me having him just like totally get the crap kicked out of him by a, a few random kids or whatever, um. But then the other thing, the other change that, that I really liked was in the comics, Night Owl, uh, Dan Dryberg, it's like a an apartment building that he's in, sort of. And then, like, it doesn't really s- explain super well how he gets to his little cave. But then when the owl, or Arch- Archie, when he goes in Archie, it just sort of comes out of the top of the building somehow. And you're like, oh, well, like, just- from the ground? And so you're like, how on earth is that working? Like, there's apartments there. And so I like that they had it sort of connected to the subway and stuff and that it flies through the subway and up and out and everything. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. There's there's certain changes that were good and others that it's like, eh. I did like Night Owl's costume, though. Yeah, that was a cool costume. It was pretty badass, I think. Because, like, I don't know. It, Night Owl's costume in the comics was always one that I was like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> that specific noise. What uh, what was your opinion on the costumes, Matt? Uh, I don't know. I mean, they're all they're all fine, I guess. Uh, the one character that we haven't really touched on that I think was was absolutely nailed in the film was Rorschach. Definitely, I think that actor was freaking perfect. Absolutely, the, the costume looked really cool. They and how just like deeply disturbed that guy was was very well portrayed i did miss the one thing i did what i miss out of the film is the 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 the, the multiple conversations he has with the psychiatrist and the yeah 
that that whole arc where he sort of turns the psychiatrist a bit. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I did like that, that a was, lot in the yeah, book. Exactly. The and casting the, for the psychiatrist was good though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he looked exactly like the comic. So I mean, that's so I mean, you know, that was a good com- the co- costume. I really like all the old costumes, the yeah. old, the like old timey costumes. Yeah, those were cool. They're so good. Like uh, moth guy. Mothman. Mothman. I love his ridiculous wings. They're like, so ridiculous. Yeah. So ridiculous, and I, I thought that was great. <laughs> so good. I, I do kind of wish that we could have seen that scene where uh, where Mothman comes back. You know, they have like a reunion, and mm-hmm. he's like crazy, and sort of he's like they're just like shaking and talking, like just just spewing off like weird random things. <laughs> it's like oh, okay, ha, 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 Mothman's back. Good to have you. <laughs> <laughs> but um. No, I love that, and I do love Rorschach. Like they really captured because Rorschach is based on the question, um, who was a Steve Ditko creation, the same guy that co-created Spider-Man, and he, he was he's great. I love the question. The question's awesome, and yeah, I mean you can see definitely like the question is basically if or Rorschach is basically if you took the question and like made him even more because he's already a very firm character. If you made him even more that way and like made him super yeah. extremist and even more violent yeah. he's been in the phantom strangers has he been I've a been lot good reading. he's the main villain oh he's, that's awesome he's so great <laughs> he's dope and i just i love that they took him and made him so like noir extremist like you know uncompromising and and freaking brutal and crazy um i love that and it's it's funny to me when people like because you see all the and this is this is the problem that i have with the the Watchmen movie is there's a lot of there's a lot of sideways hat people who just absolutely love Rorschach and think he's like you know and and not in a way of like he's a great disturbed awesome like complex character but in the way that it's like he's he's like the best superhero ever type thing like idolizing him rather than like being intrigued by him that's one thing that I have a problem with like the movies the movies audience yeah. you know. There's like, oh yeah, Rorschach's like the best. I love like everything he stands for. Like he's so right. Well, like, but they also don't fully flesh him out in the film. It's true. Like you read the if you read the graphic novel, he's like, you, he's got a fucked up. He's life. way too fucked up. And yeah. like you don't, you're not really. I mean, they kind of touch on it, but they don't really dig as deep as they do. And obviously, no. I don't have time to flesh out every character. But yeah. Okay, one thing. Here's one thing. You know the sugar cubes thing with Rorschach? Mm-hmm. And the comic was just always eating sugar cubes. What the fuck is up with that? I've never been able to figure that out. I don't know. Like, I, I've always thought there's, like, a reason. Because it's, like, this this through line, like, this thread throughout the entire graphic novel that Rorschach is, like, eating these sugar cubes and, like, he steals a bunch from Dan Dryberg's house. And, like, oh, it's really weird. And, like, it's right weird. before they go to fight Adrian, he, like, shoves a couple of sugar cubes but in his mouth. But it's never explained. But it's never fucking explained, and that drives me insane. <laughs> like, why? Like, you can't just give me this weird, random, prominent thing that you show so much and then never explain it. Like, maybe just to get energy for the for fighting or beating up criminals or whatever? I don't know. It just bugs me. I, <laughs> I don't even yeah. have, like, something to... St- yeah, I know. I, I apologize. It's just like a dumb thing that I'm like, oh damn it, I can't figure that out. Um, I do like that the original. So the original story, you know, the thing where like Ozymandias has like the toys and stuff like that, and his whole company or whatever. Yeah. I like that that was actually like in a different way. It's it's Rorschach that actually like comes in and starts making fun of him for having his toys and like basically whoring himself out and whoring his superhero reputation out. 
But I love that that actually gave the movie a perfect opportunity to like have crazy like product placement right inside the movie. Like, yeah. hey, go buy our toys. And it's like not a, it's not even forced because it was like it's something that they actually had to include kind of is like yeah, a plot true. element. <laughs> it's like this time they actually had to rather than trying to find a spot to squeeze it in. It was like, oh, there's literally a spot where we can throw all of our toys on there. You know, it's kind of funny that way. I, I don't know. I, I love that because I was like watching. I was like, damn. And it kind of made me want to get the night the the Archie replica that he has sitting there. Yeah, like, they were cool toys. They were fucking cool. Wait, like, they made toys. Yeah, they actually oh, made Watchmen toys. Yeah, and That's they funny. yeah, and those so the ones that they had in the movie were the, that he's showing were actually the toys that they made and sold. Oh man, they were cool. Yet again, furthering my it's the fucking Zack Snyder's cheapening the the value of Watchmen. I don't think so because that that is in the like that's in the movie. I know, but he's actually literally selling toys in the film that he's selling to children. Well, yeah, but still a not lot. To well, children. Not he's selling to, children, to, ne- to comic to book ne- fans. To, ne- yeah. to yeah. neck beards. Neckbeard, lots of neck beards and fedoras. Oh god. Um, Especially, man, I wonder if fedora sales and trench coat sales went way up after that movie. They probably did. I'm sure they did. Fucking. Did you know someone actually made, uh, like, they sell, you can buy a Rorschach mask. I've seen That, like, them. when you breathe on it, it changes colors. Yeah, I've It's the seen coolest them. fucking thing That's ever. cool. Like, I really, and I've actually wanted to cosplay Rorschach before, mostly because he's ginger. And I, like, I have a very limited list of people that I can cosplay <laughs> as. I know, me too. <laughs> you know the struggle, Matt. I do. And so I've thought about it before, either doing, like, with the mask on or just holding like the end as an eye sign and having bruises on my face or whatever but that's you could do it you could pull off Cletus Cassidy I don't know who Cletus Cassidy is oh duh it's uh, Carnage yeah. yeah I actually did know that from the animated series um yeah I should but I mean isn't he is he big no he's like was he scrawny yeah he's a bean pole okay dope <laughs> there you that's go. exactly me that's <laughs> perfect <laughs> um, no, yeah actually that's I, yeah you should totally do that <laughs> Oh, sure, yeah. Well, wow. Fav- so favorite and least favorite casting, like like favorite cast person in their role or favorite character or whatever, and then least favorite. Do you have them or uh, Rachel scrunching her face a lot? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I love Doctor Manhattan, and I love awesome. uh, Billy. What's his name? Cudrip. Crudup. Cudrip. I think it's Cudrip, but I'm not sure. That makes it sound like some sort of IV thing. <laughs> Billy Crudup. Crudup. Yeah. Yep, Crudup. There we go. Yeah, no, I love his face and his voice and Yeah, everything. no, I thought he was great. And I liked the flashbacks where it shows him yeah. as human a... and that poor girl. I know. Seriously. <laughs> that poor girl. And it's like, I hate it when you find out that it's like, oh, it wasn't even Ozymandias's, or I mean, it wasn't even Dr. Manhattan's fault. Like, it was fucking Ozzy. Yeah. It was Adrian the whole time. He yeah. put a fucking random thing in the air vent. Exactly. The, the, the cancer giving thing. And apparently that's like actually physically sound with, with like how that device worked and how they explained it. Because there's like this physics professor at, uh, I can't remember which university it is, but he's like a, a master's level physics professor. And he has a class about um, physics in comics. And basically, like, each class, they'll, like, approach a different thing in comics and say, okay, you know, first we we allow one, um, uh, uh, not exception, concession. We allow one concession of, you know, okay, 
this thing is impossible, but in the sense of this comic, you know, the Flash can break the barrier of light or whatever. You know, like there's that one exception that they can do. And they approach all the other aspects of that world and the different things and the ways that they explain the actual effects that that power has on things. Um, so in Dr. Manhattan's instance, how he, the reason he glows blue and things like that. And so they like this in the special features on the, the ultimate cut, they start, he like, this guy's like talking about it. He's like, Oh yeah, no, this is like totally sound. And he breaks down the physics of like how those things work and like why he actually would be blue if those things happened to him and he would be glowing oh. and stuff. It's hmm. like, it's super interesting. Um, but, uh, that was a thing that I had a thought about and then it just fluttered. Yeah. Cause we were talking about, casting which ones we liked and didn't like yeah exactly <laughs> um <laughs> but that's anyway it's fucking totally off um well let's see my favorite casting was dollar bill <laughs> really i'm just kidding it's like that's totally random but okay no but uh, well because you'd never see his face yeah you just see it under the cowl right. when he's in the elevator <laughs> or escalate revolving door no you see him uh <laughs> you see dollar bill when he do you see him at the party at all? At the party. You probably, I guess there's probably a glance of him. Uh, they actually filmed full dialogue scenes for the, for like the credits and like for a lot of those flashbacks. Like they filmed way more than, than what they actually had in there. Which, which, is is, which I wish we would have seen more of because that's part of what I liked a lot about the graphic novel was really the getting flashbacks. to see the, see the flashbacks. Yeah. Again. No, they were awesome. I uh, like that they held the, the comedian as Laurie's dad for a lot longer in the comic than they did in the movie. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, yeah, cause I like, like, uh, silhouette, like she has, she, you know, her death is so much more in the flashbacks. Her death is so much more powerful in the book cause you get to know the character more. Yeah, absolutely. Cause in this, it's like, you see her kiss the sailor and then she's in a photograph and then she's dead and there's really no like, yeah, I know that did suck. Cause no she, weight to it. She was fairly interesting in the book. Yeah. But, um, no, I'd say for casting, I, the, I, the, all the casting was good. I mean, that's a, I can't complain about the choices of casting. Jeffrey, dude, Jeffrey Dean Morgan was like born to play that role. He really was as comedian. Like it was so perfect. He was good in that. As that the the guy who played Adrian does bug me. Really, I love him. I think it's good because he bugs me, and Adrian <laughs> also bugs me. So it's like appropriate. But. <laughs> it's like like I think he was he he was probably the least. The least like his his uh, l- appearance in the comics, as far as like his actual look, because appa- in the comics they made him, um, and even David G- Dave Gibbons notes are a cross between um, Robert Redford and uh, someone else that shows in the back of uh, the graphic novel. Let's see, do you want to? Can you grab that for me, Matt, real quick? Because I just want to, just for my own conscience, to appease it. But he has like he has these ideas, like for for the comedian, it was like Nick Fury meets someone else. As far as the the appearance of him, and then for um, for Ozzy Mandias, he has. Let's see here. Uh, oh, Robert Redford meets John F. Kennedy. Yeah, and then like for the comedian, it's uh, Nick Fury meets Dirty Harry. Um, yeah, so it's just like little things like that where it's like, yeah, Matthew Good does not look anything like John F. Kennedy or. Robert Redford, but I did love him in the part, and I love him in general. Yeah, I I love him. He's, he's got a good face. I didn't like his hair. Yeah, his hair really bothered. Really? Me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's I, interesting. I don't know why it just really really bothered me, but I love him. I yeah, think he's, I thought he was great. No, I think my least favorite is Silk Spectre, the daughter Lori. I agree. 
I didn't think she, I don't think she's a good actor. No, I don't really like her, and I don't think she was good in the film. No, there were there were so many different actresses they could have cast that would have been probably better. But and and that's unfortunate because I think that like the character is already fairly underutilized in the film, or at least like maybe not underutilized, but she's not very well fleshed out in the film. Like they use her a lot for plot, but not a lot for story, um, or at least from her end of it. Like they use her as sort of an obstacle in Dr. Manhattan's story or like a, a plot device in Night Owl's story, but they don't actually like show her character growth, which is unfortunate because in the comic she has a lot of, she has a lot of growth as far as like, there's this whole, like, first of all, just the fact that like she has a crazy smoking habit and like that's used a lot throughout the story. And like when she first meets the comedian and yeah, but you can't show cigarettes in movies anymore. I know, which that bothers me a bit just cause like, I, I understand like the you know not wanting to not wanting to like um promote it promote it yeah glamorize but, it gla- there that's the word I was going for there you go oh I'm so glad you used that word <laughs> um because <laughs> then I wouldn't hate myself forever um <laughs> but it's just like and especially in the context because like in the in the book they're like yeah you know you'd need to cut that out and shit like like I feel like there should be how you promote it is sort of should be considered. I don't know. Yeah, no, I got you. I don't know. Um, the one other thing that I really liked was the way that, like, the color palette throughout the movie is fairly muted as far as, like, the characters and, and especially their outfits and things. But then anytime there's yellow or blue, it's, like, super bright. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I like that's the thing. This goes back with every single Zack Schneider film for me. <laughs> <laughs> is he makes really pretty films. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like and there's just it's a not gorgeous great. movie. I yeah, love the it colors. looks it looks great. I mean, he's he he knows how to make a film look really nice. Yeah, but he's not the best writer. No, his his story choices are often poor, <laughs> which is why I'm glad that the the Justice League movie and Batman v Superman are getting help. That's not David Goyer because David Goyer's like, uh, I, <laughs> he's like. <laughs> He's like the Happy Meal of superhero movie writers. Like, he's it, it, seemingly he must be cheap because he Warner Brothers hires him for like fucking everything. But then he just like he he focuses in on the dumbest parts of superheroes. Like, stop! Like, none of us give it. Like, for Superman, we don't give a fuck about the fact that like this dude is superpowered. Like, yes, that's great. He's Superman, and that's that's you know sort of one of his, his challenges or whatever. But Superman is not about Superman. It's about fucking Clark Kent. Like, it's about that. Like, Batman's disguise is Bruce Wayne. Clark Kent's disguise is Superman. You know what I mean? Like, he is mm-hmm. Clark Kent. He was raised in fucking Kansas. Like, he's an American dude that just happens to have an alien birth. You know, like, he's yeah. just an adopted kid from Kansas. Anyway, fucking entirely different rant. But, like, Zack Snyder needs to <laughs> get the fuck away from David Goyer, and I'm glad that they finally are getting him away from him with the newer movies so that that may that way maybe we get good stories um but yeah um was there were there other parts that either of you guys wanted to uh wanted to talk about before we before we finish no no we've we've exhausted it we can close the book i on I, I just kind of glanced through it though uh-huh. from what matt made me show but yeah, is yeah. dr manhattan really like naked all the time yeah okay most of the time yeah okay. except when he's like invading vietnam and when they're first meeting as superheroes okay. and after that yeah he's 
he's naked all the time and his balls hang significantly lower than right. his dick. Well, that, that's cool and all. I was just yeah. wondering yeah, if that was dong, just a movie dong, dong, or... Dong, 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 all over the place. <laughs> I know, I know. Zack Snyder actually had less go- less dong than uh, than they did in the comic, which is surprising. That is surprising. Zack Snyder throws a lot of uh, phallic uh, yeah. symbols in his movies. I was just going to say phallic <laughs> symbols everywhere. <laughs> I do like that. Like, it seems like David Gibbons might have been a little bit homophobic writing this because, like, Doctor Manhattan is so detailed. But then, like, you get to his junk, and it's literally just like, whoop, yip, yip. <laughs> like, it's like the least detailed penis you've ever seen. But then he's like got nipples and like all this like riblets and crap, and his thighs are super muscly. But then, nope, this penis is just a just two lines: one's squiggly and one's round, and that's it. <laughs> Poor guy. I know. Seriously. Um, rating. If you were to rate it in your mind, and I know we do this every time, and it's it's always annoying because I make you do it. <laughs> but uh, again, your own scale, your own mm, your own perception. Mm, I don't know how to rate it. <laughs> it's kind of tough with this one. I don't know how to rate it. Just yeah, because there's a part of me that's like, I don't want to like give it the the credit. It, of a rating. Yeah, yeah. I feel the same way. And I, I, I feel like I want to read the graphic novel, too. Yeah, because I feel like the graphic novel is what should be. Yeah. Uh, but let's say the graphic novel didn't exist, and I saw this movie. See, that's the problem. If the graphic novel <laughs> didn't exist, mm-hmm. and if this was just a standalone film mm-hmm. that was written to be just a film, mm-hmm. I think it would be a pretty good film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. On its own, if it doesn't have the, the, the background of, like, this you know, world changing graphic novel. That's if it, right. If it didn't have, right, exactly. The, 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 the huge impact that the graphic novel had. Yeah. I mean, it changed literature. Yeah. It'd be a good film. Yeah, totally. And I'd probably think it would, I probably would really like it, but I have that background and it really just makes me not like the film more on principle than for any other reason. Yeah. Which is, you know, maybe my own fault, but I don't know. So I, I don't know how to rate it. I would give it, I don't know, <laughs> ghost points. It gets... Uh, <laughs> ghost points. I don't know. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, for me, so, so I mean, the graphic novel itself, since I did, you know, like, read it this week and everything, and kind of like I was just fucking... So you've been down the rabbit hole before. I've been down the rabbit hole before, but I like fucking immersed myself as shit this week. Like Uh all I was consuming was Watchmen this week, which was weird. Um, But like the graphic novel itself, like 9.8, like the actual story of Watchmen, just fucking amazing. Um, So I'd give it like a 9.8 out of 10. But the movie itself, I think it, it stayed true to a lot of the elements that the graphic novel was trying to tell of like, you know superheroes punching things doesn't solve anything. Um, you know, it's like being a villain is a matter of perception. Um, taking the fact that like this guy was a hero and you know, basically all I have to do is, is give you one little ounce of perception to make you think he's a bad guy. And then I can turn that on its head just as easily. Um, I think a lot of those thematic elements were, were held true. I think that a lot of them were done heavy-handed because either because Zack Snyder felt the need to make them heavy-handed in order for him to either understand them or maybe that it's him being like, oh, movie audiences aren't going to understand it unless I make things super overboard. 
And so some of those stylistic things did diminish, I think, the value of the story. Um, so for me, the movie on its own, probably six and a half or seven out of ten because the style is very redeeming and it does still keep the heart of what the story tries to say, in my mind. So that's sure. that's probably me. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> what about you, Rachel? I, I have no rating. No rating? I'm the yeah, only one that's going to rate it? Uh, nah. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's just like, I mean, I think it that's... It wasn't bad. It wasn't good. I it was the longest movie ever. <laughs> it was <laughs> fucking long. Yeah. I do I do wish that they had just done like an HBO series for it cuz I think that would have been pretty cool. But uh, or not or not. Yeah, just <laughs> or not. never nothing. Just don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They we, did they did release one thing that I think people could watch if they wanted to watch Watchmen on mm. a screen is the motion, motion comic. comic. The motion comic is fucking fantastic because it's the Holy whole shit. thing. Yeah, and I I cannot sing the praises enough of the motion comic. No, it's, it's so amazing. It's the whole story. Yeah. And, and it's on YouTube for free, by the way. Warner Brothers put yeah. it out on YouTube. And it's it's like you get the same thing. Yeah. More or less. I mean, I, I, mean, I like still images in, 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 in comic form because then you can kind of really soak in the artist's details. But yeah. Especially with the Watchmen, because there's so much background stuff going on that that is that is important to the story. Yeah, it's it is really good. But the motion comic was was very well done, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I liked that a lot. And, and Tales of the Black Freighter, I think, as an animated feature, was really cool too. Um, for next or for two weeks from now, guys, we have our next movie. This will be a movie where. So we, you know, we've been doing our sort of movies based on, you know, uh, commonly perceived as good, and then or commonly perceived as bad, commonly perceived as good, and now commonly controversial. We've come to our commonly neutral week, <laughs> which is like such a tough, subjective way to pick something. It really is. It is very subjective. But at the same time, you know, like usually what I'm doing is I will look at, you know, Rotten Tomatoes. Um, so you're looking for something like that's between 40 and 60% rating? Somewhere around there. 40, I, I think typically around like 40 to 70. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, and then, and then I also take into consideration fan perspective. So some, yeah. like, for instance, Superman Returns critically was actually fairly well received. But comic book fans are like, that's the worst Superman movie ever. Um, so that one would fall under the bad part. But... As far as neutral, here's, here's a few suggestions. Um, there's movies like X-Men First Class, The First Ghost Rider. Um, the First Ghost Rider is not neutral. A lot of people like it. Like, it, no. A good amount of people like it. And I, I'm not saying like it <laughs> no could. No way. The second one's definitely in our bad list, and we could move this one to the bad list. That was one I was like not sure about because the ratings on it are... Not as bad as you I, might think. I, I they know would a be. lot of people that actually like the first. Ghost there's no Rider. way yeah. anyone could like that movie. There's no way anyone could like the second one. But actually, there's people that like the first one. <laughs> that makes no sense to me. <laughs> um, we've also got Captain America: The First Avenger, um, Punisher, both Thor movies. I don't know what, what's what do you guys think? What's what's one that you'd actually that you have some opinions on or or just want to watch maybe that you haven't seen in a while. Um, not Captain America. Not Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 
We'll save Captain America for I've a different time. I've already sat through boring Watchmen. I don't want to sit through boring <laughs> Captain America. It was pretty boring. Uh, yeah. What about the... And Mitch, Mitch has said, like, Mitch loves that fucking movie, which oh, is it, weird to me. I, and we'll, great, eventually we'll talk about it. It's so boring. Yeah, it is, is boring. weird to me, too. That That's like his favorite. His favorite one, yeah. yeah. And for me, it's like bottom two oh, of easily. MCU movies. Yeah, me, too. Uh, what about uh, Constantine? Ooh. Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves Constantine. Uh, wow, sour face. I think, I think that one might fall under controversial. <laughs> okay. Uh, whatever. But at the same time, we could do it. We could. I mean, I'm just throwing I, stuff I, out. No, yeah, you're I'd fine. Be, I'd be open to that one. Are you open to that one? No. I'm just, no, I'm just throwing <laughs> stuff out. I'm, all, I'm also trying to think of like something that's not Marvel or DC. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah no, and we, we need to get our list more well fleshed out. There's, um, Cause there are like a lot of oh there is the losers, which is Vertigo, those adapted from an Andy Diggle and and uh, Jock comic, has Chris Evans in it and Jeffrey Dean Morgan actually in it. <laughs> we could, we could do the losers, cause that one is right in that. Where would range. Scott Pilgrim fall into? <sighs> See that one, I I honestly don't know where to put that one. We could put that on neutral if we wanted to. If you want, should we? We could do Scott Pilgrim. I'm down. I have it. <laughs> yeah, I've I've got it too. Yeah, I haven't seen that for a while. Could there ever be I'd... a time we'd find a movie that none of us have seen? Probably not. <laughs> I don't think oh, we ever hey, will. I have never seen Wolverine or uh, Wolverine Orange. <laughs> you haven't seen either of the Wolverine movies? I have them. I really? I don't want to do one of those. Yeah, no, I don't want to do one I'm, of those I'm right just now saying, either, but yeah. there are movies that I haven't seen. No, especially right now, because next week on um, on TMBC, we're talking about uh, Old Man Logan, and so it'd be too much Wolverine for me. Anyway. What about, um, I mean, I want to, like, I, I, I'm in a staying geek-related, and let, you know, what about uh, Super 8? Super 8. Good choice. Let's do Super 8. J.J. Abrams. Let's Super totally 8. do Super 8. Because I know that was, pr- that's, that's pretty neutral. It is pretty neutral, and it's that is an interesting movie too. And I, I like that. One. I haven't seen it. You yeah. haven't seen it. There we go. Boom. <laughs> there you go. All right. So we'll do Super Eight. And um, I think it's cool too because it, it it might open up a little extra conversation in 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 regards to like him trying to like create a you know a yeah. homage to Steven Spielberg and totally. And I think also that like that brings up another one that we should at some point do is Chronicle. Chronicle. Yeah. At yeah. some point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Super 8. We'll do Super 8 uh, So two weeks from now. Next week, we've got our comic review of X-Force. Um, but uh, is there is there any any final words that you guys want to want to throw out before we uh, send this send this ship a-sailing? Um, yeah. I'm never going to do anything re- re- related to Watchmen again. Really? I agree. <laughs> I'll, I'll read the comic and then I'm done. Okay. <laughs> no, dude. I, I mean, I just I went down the Watchmen hole so hard years ago. Uh huh. And it's like one of those things where it's like you don't need to go back. <laughs> it's it's true. I mean i I will probably read it again at some point. Um, yeah, I might read the comic again in like 20 years. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to see the movie probably yeah. ever again. Uh, I'm never going to watch that movie again. <laughs> I'll probably watch the movie again at some point, but it won't be anytime soon. Holy shit. Um, yeah. Oh, so I did have a, a, a 
another uh, request to our, our listener audience. Okay. Is um, recommendations. Again, I'm going to just do it again because we didn't get any last week. So recommend stuff to us, particularly as uh, here, if you need a, 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 like a somewhat defined, we are looking for non-superhero-related geek things that you would totally. like to talk about. We've been very superhero-centric lately, so yeah. we want to make sure that when we're not on like the superhero area of things, and even when we are doing superhero stuff, it's like different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, any recommendations you guys have, like for stuff like that, we we want to hear it. Especially as next week is our comic book week, so we'll be recommending a new book. Um, and we're on. Is it free for all week? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Free for all. So anything goes. So whatever stuff that you think is like cool and either more people should read or or you want to hear us talk about, let us know. I mean, that's exactly it. I want you know if 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 you know. I mean, I'd go even as far as to say. You know, whoever sends a request, we will do it because we haven't had any yet. Yeah, exactly. The inaugural, <laughs> yeah, the inaugural request will be uh, will so be. So if you've got something right that away. you want us to talk about and you're like stoked and you're super stoked on it, <laughs> if you are the first, we'll do it. Yeah, yep. be the first. Unless yeah. it's unless it's Watchmen, then screw you. <laughs> yeah. And any any after that, we'll just sort of stockpile and, and bring back out at some point later. Absolutely. Um. But yeah, no, I think that uh, that about does it for us. So. Uh, Visit us on on social media at Savage Land Podcast on Facebook, Savage Land Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Or wait, Savage Land Podcast on Instagram. Yes, yes. Okay, <laughs> um, and then because uh, fucking I hate Twitter's limit. Anyway, um, and then uh, yeah, rate and subscribe, please. We we definitely want to start seeing some ratings, and and you know you can also send us email um, at uh, what is it Savage Land Podcast at that might be cool Savage Land that might be cool. No, us at savagelandpodcast.com. There we go. Us at savagelandpodcast.com. Um, let us know. Thanks for listening.